This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. This kind of extremely visible protest is almost about time because there's so many people that aren't recorded and this kind of thing happens to communities of color in general. The African-American community, but the Native American community, the Hispanic American community, other immigrant communities, that are subjugated in this country. I mean, we it's been founded on oppression. And whether we like it or not, I mean, our country has lots of good points today after 400 years, but it was founded on oppression. And when something is founded on conquest and oppression, it creates a hierarchy of domination, really, that continues systems of oppression because as the Declaration of Independence states or reflects, it was for white male land-owning people. And the Christianity was a little underlying because they were trying to separate the, the religion out of it. But in reality, that first group of white males that were land-owning were Christian as well. And so there was also that underlying. and you know, right in that document, they call indigenous people merciless Indian savages whose known rules of warfare are undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. And that's the propaganda that's used after we fought in the war, in, certainly in this area, fighting with the colonists to throw off, as the history books will say, the yoke of tyranny of, of England or of Britain you know, and in reality, they just adopted those same tactics um, from then forward as well. And so, you know, in the museum, we talk about conquest a lot and communities of color that are referred to often in this place that we now call the United States of America were here or came here under that conquest ideology, which is all about power and it's power of power of you know political power economic power military power police power um and and then there's other powers there's powers of entitlement i kind of give it its own thing you know greed greed is the first thing in conquest they want stuff that's out there in the world um, people that follow them have a need, so greed and need can be the flip side of the, the coin. Then there's all those powers I mentioned, then there's entitlement. And that's just the idea that you have that right. I mean, we have political leaders, no names mentioned, that feel entitled to do anything and everything that they do, no matter what it does to everybody else. Um, and, and they feel that entitlement because they have power, they have resources, they have all those powers I mentioned and they have a ton of greed and then after entitlement there's um, there's fear fear and hate they are flip sides of a coin in my opinion so fear is you breed the fear you know when they call us merciless savages in the Declaration of Independence it makes everybody afraid of indigenous peoples and not acknowledge the fact that in reality we were being subjugated massacred displaced enslaved um, you know, dispossessed of our own lands and our own ways of life. Um, but they turn it around and make us the bad guy. And in, in this circumstance, 
the George Floyds of the world are turned into the bad guy just by who they are. You know, just by the color of their skin, just by the fact that they're tall and big and, and, and male. I have two sons. My two sons are six foot four and six foot five. And I'm afraid for them because they are brown and they are male. And they would give you their shirt off their back. But it doesn't matter if the person doesn't ask you. If they just assume, you know, George Floyd was assumed guilty immediately. He was, he was judged by those police officers on the spot that he was guilty. He didn't get a jury of his peers. He didn't get the right that everyone's supposed to have in this country to be perceived innocent until proven guilty. He didn't get any of those allowances. But you know what? Our men of color don't get any of those breaks. Our boys of color don't get a break. Communities that are affluent, communities of the white majority, kids that are teenagers, they can make all kinds of mistakes and they're just kids being kids and they make those mistakes. Our communities, they make a mistake when they're teenagers. They're not, they're not given a second chance. They get do not pass go and go directly to jail. The, it's the it's the it's the school to jail pipeline and it's a systemic issue that is so big i feel the pain they feel i feel the horror they feel and i feel the fear they feel i've been harassed and you know me and i'm a female and i'm goody goody and don't do much in any way i don't drink don't smoke you know i don't go out and go to events in the sense of parties and things like that that could get you in any kind of trouble but despite that I've been harassed by police and my husband's a police officer I'm not afraid of the police I know there are many good people but the reality is it's the unknown smoke shop raid in 2003 I was detained by a state trooper for over 25 minutes and they pulled me over because they wanted to know what I thought about the circumstance well, I didn't have any power. I didn't have any power that person could say I did anything. I never got a ticket, I never got anything, I just got harassed. After that, it actually was recently, like in the last year or two, that it occurred to me that I had PTSD from that experience. Because every single time a police officer pulled up beside me, I had a visceral response. My body shook. One time I got pulled over, we bought a secondhand Lincoln from a, 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 just to say it, a white woman that lived in our town. She had a Lincoln. We bought it secondhand. She had it for 10 years. We bought it after she was done with it. We didn't do anything but drive it and it had tinted windows. She had it for 10 years. I don't know when she put the tinted windows on it, but I got stopped because of the tinted windows. I had such a visual response. I was bawling. The police officer must have thought I was insane. But I was, I was heaving and crying and shaking because I got stopped. And people don't understand this. I share it because they don't understand why people have that fear. It's because we don't have any control and that I'm a, a native woman, minority, that 
I don't have the control. I don't have the power networks. I don't have any of those things. And that police officer could do anything. I can, I mean, all he did is give me a ticket to, to get my tinted windows off. But the reality is the white woman was the one that put him on. She didn't get stopped for the tinted windows. She didn't get harassed because of the smoke shop raid. Because I'm Indian, I just got pulled over for that just to be harassed. Um, she didn't get stopped like I did. I don't know about you, but have you ever been stopped because some distant relative of yours is wanted by the police for whatever reason? It doesn't happen very often, but it happened to me. I was on my way to bring the kids to the bus stop. They went to the Met School in Providence, so I was at the park bringing them to the park and ride, and I get harassed um, because someone has my same last name. And you know, if you know Tribe, there's a million people with my last name. And so, well, maybe a million's an exaggeration since there's only 3,000 of us, but, but you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of tribal members with our same last name. The current government that we have has brought the racism that is still pervasive in this country to a very visible place where, thanks to the civil rights movement and the work of all those people over many, many generations, for equality and justice in this country we have moved the needle a long way and I truly believe that the most people are sincere and wanting equity in this country I work with a ton of partners for Tomaquag Museum um, that want diversity equity inclusion justice to happen but I think that the mean-spirited um, rhetoric that's been going around is fueling the flames to the people that maybe are not the majority anymore in this country but still have that extreme bias and hate and it is exacerbating it to people that maybe don't mean to be but just aren't educated enough on those things because people are people and we make mistakes um, Every single person, in my opinion, has racism in them. Racism and bigotry and bias comes from not knowing something. So if I'm going to talk about a country somewhere where I don't know, like I'll just say Kazakhstan because I don't know anything about Kazakhstan, right? Other than it used to be part of the old Soviet Union. But other than that, I don't know much. So if I was going to try to generalize what I think those people are like, I'm going to make all kinds of mistakes. So bias is one thing and racism is another and I think you know biasm biased and stereotypes are things we do because we just don't know enough racism is actions that we do against those people because we've created this fear and hate of them based on those stereotypes and misconceptions and misunderstandings so if I decided today I was gonna hate all police officers for the couple that were harassing me personally then I would be generalizing and, and, and being pervasive with those misconceptions. Because there's plenty of, um, as we've seen on the news, plenty of good people wearing blue, if you will, that are out to protect the people, out to support their right to protest, out to um, <clears throat> ensure that equity and justice is happening. Um, but our systems are broken. Our systems are not equitable. Our systems are not fair. If you take justice, okay, let's use something else that's been happening a lot in the news. <clears throat> white collar crime. You notice it has the word white in it. So if it's white collar crime and people, 
steal millions of dollars. One, they may or may not actually go to jail, but when they do, they go to federal prison, what seems to be six months, a year, maybe two years. Take a kid of color, male, they walk into, I don't know, a store as a young teenager, they've been dared to steal a pack of gum. They steal a pack of gum and they not only get charged as an adult, but then go to jail for five years. If, and, and you could go through the court systems and you could see all kinds of people that go to jail that are of color for minor petty things, even maybe even medium petty things. If you look at the court system, if someone is of color, they just get a much harsher sentence. They get less leeway. And I think that's the part that's unfair because different judges get different chances to make the final decision on the length of a, um, a jail sentence. I think that the system is broken in that it's not equitable based on who gets to make the decisions. And, and the systems of injustice are just pervasive. I mean, don't even get me started on education and the inequities there because there's the jail to school, you know, the school to jail pipeline for kids of color. I mean, even here in Rhode Island, the ACLU, I've had conversations with them about school districts right here in Rhode Island that have terrible um, rates of um, suspension for kids of color. And, and unfortunately, they're often in districts that are majority white. And those kids are disproportionately disciplined and disproportionately sent to special education and disproportionately, you know, drop out of school and disproportionately don't get to college. And, you know, all of those kinds of things, the, 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 the system is not just the justice system. It's the way that this country has evolved and the inequities that have been pervasive since its very founding have continued to subjugate and not be equal for communities of color. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pervasive problem. And, and you know, here at Tomaquag Museum, we're focused on the native community, but we also know that there's, we have to have solidarity with all communities. And that's why we partner with lots of other communities of color, whether that's all the folks at the South Side uh, Art Center there that, you know, whether it's the Rhode Island Black storytellers that we've partnered with or um, been part of the expansion arts with the Cambodian groups or, you know, actually we did some projects with them back in the day. It's been a while, but nonetheless, the idea that we are all in this, we all are underrepresented, underheard and just treated inequitably.